right? So you look at the three pillars of sustainability yeah. and you start there and say, what, is, what are the core material aspects that matter to me yeah. and our stakeholders, right, to move forward and, and ultimately succeed with these values in place? Hey guys, welcome back to the Wine, Whiskey and Weed show. This is your host, Sid Patel, and I'm planning to bring back the show. You know, uh, sorry for the pause. We were all in the middle of COVID and uh, we're back to filming the show. I'll be meeting with a lot of key important people bringing you value. So uh, let's get started. Just before the show, you know, I just wanted to give a little shout out on uh, brands and, uh, you know, about the Bartender Spirits Awards. So for brands looking to get into the bars of USA, Bartender Spirits Awards is the place to be. This is where, you know, we rate and evaluate products which are the right fit for the bars. We send you review, we send you detailed feedback, you get a score breakdown, you get a tasting note, shelf talkers, and so on. So visit bartenderspiritsawards.com and take advantage of the super early bird pricing that's on. Hey guys, welcome to the Wine, Whiskey and Weed Show. This is your host, Sid Patel, and I'm here with Martin Reyes. He's the master of wine. You know, he's been doing a lot of things and we're just gonna have a little chat about distribution, the current state of, you know, post-COVID, sustainability mainly, and uh, we'll just dig dive, uh, dive into that. And uh, Martin, uh, could you please introduce our audience, uh, just what you've been doing, how you became master of wine, and what are you up to these days? Sure, I've been in the business for about 20 years or so. Uh, my background has been in the business of wine uh, as a buyer for retail on uh, mainly off-premise distribution, importation a little bit, uh, a lot of importation recently, uh, and recently winemaking as well. Um, but I also have a firm uh, called Reyes Wine Group, which is um, a multidisciplinarian uh, uh, consultancy in the wine trade. Mm -hmm. So, And as you alluded to in a minute ago, I, I am definitely shifting my, uh, my trajectory uh, as both a career, but also for my business into the resilience and sustainability parts of the wine industry. Nice. So uh, for sure, you know, uh, we'll deep dive into that, but let's, let's touch base on distribution, right? So how has, have things changed? Like what kind of distribution channels are important these days, like direct to consumer, for example, right? So just give a little distribution landscape of uh, new world we are living in, like let's say 2021 right now, what's, where do you see more movement? Well, you know, I think it's important to recognize that uh, all of the things that were lessons for us that you have, I'm sure your, your uh, audience and your guests have mentioned about, you know, the importance of standing out, the importance of capturing the story, the importance of, of uh, building relationships in the trade, the importance of marketing, the importance of uh, really storytelling. Yeah. All of those things right now are even more True. important. It got exposed, like you know, and like relationships yes. matter now. And everyone's getting better at it. So yeah. the the scary thing is if you if you feel like you've evolved a little bit in the past year yeah. uh, to you know build your Instagram or to uh, you know, get that microphone or to get a better camera yeah. or, or whatever it is, there are companies out there who have who have <laughs> also advanced light years ahead of where they were True. before. So to me. It is, it is much more, even more crucial to, wineries tend to under, to underspend in marketing, in particular yeah. digital marketing. And if you do that, if you continue to do that right now, you will become obsolete or rather irrelevant at your own peril. So I do believe that across the board, it is, it is very important to up the production value of 
your storytelling and up the connection value of your of your network. I like and, that term, connection value. Yeah. True. It should yeah. be measured like your reputational value and those kind of things. Right. Right. Absolutely. So um, that's the, the lessons are, haven't really changed as much. Yeah. It's just that they have become much more essential, yeah. I believe, to stand cool. out. Nice. Uh, so for distributors, you know, for the reps trying to knock doors, uh, what are the retailers looking for these days? Like has, has empathy kicked in, kindness, or do you see those kind of things? Or people have become more direct and rude, like I don't have time, you know, or what, what's going on in the behavior of the buyer? I still think that right now we are in a changing, we're still in the shift of, of uh, uh, buyers and their customers figuring out what the future is uh, of what, are, what, the trends, what the trends tend to be, whether things like the seltzer, um, hard seltzer is, is tapering off or not, right? Yeah. Things like whether or not alternative packaging is taking off, which I believe it is, but wow. in, in, in fits and starts, right? Got with it. cans and boxes and, and with on-premise with, uh, with kegs as well. And so the, I, don't, I think that the landscape is still evolving. Yeah. And so the conversation, the question to your question about how, um, how is the relationship with the retailers, I think that more than everything, more than anything else, retailers do want to feel would like to, for you to understand their perspective. And the perspective is the empathy of knowing the fact, hey, we, we just came out of a, a seismic shift. So I don't know what my, uh, I don't know if my current inventory is, gonna, is good enough or, or adaptable enough, adaptive enough to what has happened as consumers have shifted. They started yeah. buying more online. They started buying either going less to restaurants or more to restaurants. Has their, has their shift of, of spending up or down? Yeah. Have they looked at other things that didn't that were on the margins, like sustainable, like organic, like natural? So I think that listening to the buyers is more important than ever. And, and finding out, doing a little bit of homework before you approach them and say, hey, I've got this new thing. Do you want it? Mm -hmm. It's always been a lesson for us to learn about mm -hmm. what the buyers are looking for. But again, I think that lesson is now the the, the importance of those of those um, of doing your due diligence is just ratcheted up. True. It's it's also a good uh, a place to watch big brands. I think some big brands have come up with bold uh, moves that they are going to be carbon free and blah 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 or some things. I think the shift is happening, and it normally starts when a big player starts doing something with a package, like Gallo decides we do this and things of that nature. So, I, I mean, personally speaking, I just see like moments like RTDs are hot, you know, cocktail wine in cans are hot, but I don't know what's going on in the packaging side of things, the movement, you know. Uh, what, what kind of packages are, you know, have changed uh, or what, what buyers are buying now and sustainability wise, like uh, what's moving? What, where can wineries adapt and move forward to become a sustainable winery? So uh, continuing along the, uh, along the theme of, of the, that the shift is occurring real time right now, okay. right? Where we're, we're seeing branches of, of, uh, of, business, of companies, like you said, that are, are doing some bold and innovative things. What, we're, what I think the, shortest, the, the short term, what you will see is that there's going, to, there's going to be an emphatic pushback around some of the lowest hanging fruit of sustainable packaging, which is mm -hmm. lighter glass, is going to make a comeback. Heavy, uh, come back. Yes. Because heavy is bad for the environment. Heavy, exactly. On multiple levels. So like that $30 nice deep Napa cab yeah, is the, bad for the environment. Yeah, versus... On multiple levels. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On multiple levels. And so the because glass is such a, it's such a central part of our 
of our buying scheme. Uh, that is the area area that we but can. But then, attack. how do you come around the perception? I'm sorry to interrupt, but just trying to the perception of a consumer which think this is a good wine because it's nice bottle, nice packaged, nice heavy bottle. I normally would buy a heavy bottle just because it's heavy. That maybe a good wine versus a 25 little light screw cap. Do you do you think how can we educate consumers that that's just a package? Liquid is still doesn't affect because of the package. So there's two answers. The first is you mentioned that large companies are uh, making bold moves. And large companies are making bold moves when it comes to the size and the lighting, lightening of their packaging. Mm-hmm. So, as as a when you have the larger ones moving in that direction, then you you're able to move the needle of perception. True. Number one, number two is there is more there are, there are wineries that are going to become more vocal. Some of them are now, yeah. but there are wineries that are becoming more vocal, and especially in places like Sonoma and Napa, meaning in marketing materials, writing about everything, Got it. the conversation, the dialogue between the discourse <laughs> between uh, producers, vintners, and their buyers is, hey, we move to lighter glass because of, hey, we're doing this because of, and hey, the conversation of it's not just about the 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 thickness and the tallness and the and the the punt, but we are doing what's what's most important is what's in the bottle, and we've always said that, but we haven't. But we've also been quick to spend money. I mean, we, the wine industry, has been quick to spend money on heavier bottles mm. for a long time. Mm. I believe that that is one area that's going to, to to shift over time, and it's already it's already happening. Got it. Then also, there's there's alternative packaging, of course. There's uh, uh, you know uh, the the showing up to a uh, to a party uh, with a um, uh, you know, with a can of wine is not going to be unusual anymore. We know that. If you if you dig in a little bit deeper, there's almost everything that's all that's packaged out there is better than glass at varying degrees. Okay. Cans are better than glass in terms of the carbon footprint for a bunch of reasons we don't want to get into now. Bag and box is probably one of the best. Uh, kegs, of course, is also. I mean, there's there's pros and cons for every single aspect. You can always push back and say, well, what about um, these bag and boxes have plastic? They've got cardboard. I thought plastic was bad, even if it's lighter. Yes, there's trade-offs. In every situation, there are trade-offs. But the point is, the most important point is the conversations happening. You're right about alternative packaging yeah, like, within the scheme. Like, what of, are you contributing? What are you? How are you helping the climate change and sustainability? Right. Well, there's two points: the sustainability, which is what I care about, but also, you know, convenience yeah. and going to the pool without without glass is it would be great to bring a, a six-pack of of a, a Pinot Grigio or a rosé from. From um, from Loire Valley or something like that. So it's it's let's let's remember. And I always tell myself this more than I tell anybody else. Most consumers don't really care yeah. that much about the choices they make when they buy wine. Most of them don't. Yeah. So even though we're obsessed and collectively uh, focused on these questions that are nuanced, yeah. in reality they're saying what is good value, what is easy, and what is convenient, and is the story something, maybe the story I want to gravitate towards or not. So this, so we have a responsibility and a duty to make sure that the story carries through and then we make the decisions for the good of the planet, but we also make the decisions that are still convenient, that are economical, economic and attractive to the consumer. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm coming at it from the, from the kegs, bottling kegs and moving into the to the restaurant yeah. is good for the environment, but in reality, it's also some aspect of convenience, yeah, of, of, of value, and- handling, of quality, of, of costs. And then the biggest one is uh, return and reuse schemes. Oh, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. far, this is this yeah. is cutting edge stuff down the, down the road and how to get around- The beer the, bottles, right? 
Well, no, I'm talking about yeah, the, the, the five cents you get on the, the return the whole thing. That yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. The fact that a glass, glass is, the good thing about glass, even though it's heavy and even though it's carbon footprint heavy, is that it requires, uh, it's, excuse me, it's endlessly, almost endlessly recyclable. Right? Yeah, it's but neutral. It has, it's so the handling is cost is so heavy. Yes. Like retailers prefer that they lose five cents yes. and not have to worry about that whole recycling thing. Ah, you're absolutely right. So the, the recycling is, system is broken in the United States. So we know that. Uh, the, you know, if we had more time, we can we can dig into that. But the the collet, this is what the broken glass is called. Yeah. That is that's what you call it, by the way. Yeah, good, good to know. <laughs> that's a sorry dad joke. Um, that is not. That system is not the cullet isn't re, isn't recaptured to the degree that that recycling okay. is helping the environment. Most glass is not reused. What I'm suggesting is that there are companies out there that are trying to capture the the to, trying to make the the system work where you you bottle, yep. you sell it to the consumer, and then you get it back from them. However, you get it back from them is is the obstacle, right? Uh, there's op lots of obstacles in terms of size, weight, distance, uh, sh shipping, washing, reusing, rebottling. There's all these things, but that's one of the areas that is that is a future, a bright future of the wine business. Is glass isn't going to is not uh, going to disappear. It's it needs to churn and become into a circular economy, True. which I believe is is going to take some time. But you heard it here first. Yeah. So let's let, 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 let's let's take this in an actionable uh, strategy. If I'm I'm a winery, you know, I come to you as a consultant, and I want to I say I want to be contributing to the environment, be more sustainable. You know, how where do I start? Like, what are the questions you would ask me? How would you help me plan my strategy? You know, because I would go back and start doing that. And obviously, it's not overnight. You know, I look at my financial capacity, I look at my operational capacities. But how do you start? going into that direction at least you know where do you start what are the things what is your five-year plan so i think that you, you, you there is there is a uh there is there are plenty of uh businesses and consultants and strategists who can help who can help wineries of all shapes and sizes develop their business plans without carrying about this question, right? It's, it's been done for generations. Correct. So right now, what, what a winery needs to do is say, okay, well, if, if I care about going uh, about, should, why should I care, first of all, yeah. about going deep into asking myself, my business plan within the context of sustainability, why should this matter? There are answers that are important answers about why it does matter on the sustainability front, not just for not just for the environment, but also for the people and also to sustain your business, right? So you look at the three pillars of sustainability yeah. and you start there and say, and ask yourself, how are my, I mean, it's almost like a, uh, if people want to get into it, it's almost like a material assessment. What is What are the core material aspects that matter to me yeah. and our stakeholders, right? To move forward and and ultimately succeed with these values in place. So you create a strategy that's almost not just an entrepreneurial strategy, but a sustainability strategy. Yeah. You start looking at the very basic reality that sustainability should not be a luxury. It shouldn't be viewed as a luxury uh, opportunity. There's, there's upfront costs, yeah. but like solar panels, they amortize over time. It's maybe not a good example. But, yeah, but, I got the idea. Yeah. So the, the, it's an investment. You there's have an to investment up yeah. front, but then eventually when you're talking about the fact that a winery has deep and heavy inputs. It has of, to drive down in 
profits as well. I mean, it just can't be a cost. Otherwise, it's so hard to move in that direction. Oh, absolutely. That's why it has to be part of your, that's why it has to be economically feasible. Correct. That's what I'm, what I'm getting at is that you do have to have a plan that's strategic, yeah. not just buy a electric tractor yeah. versus a gas power because it's more sustainable. You have to understand what the costs are, how long but it will is last. It, is it actually long-term net positive? Uh, that is what uh, people like Monarch uh, tractors are saying. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, there are, that there are, um, there is uh, a direction that in which you choose to make a decision that may be a little bit more expensive up front, but then that pays off in the future economically as well as environmentally. That's the key, right? There's only so much goodwill people can yeah. have. You're not going to be able to. Because ultimately, you know, it boils down to the owner right. and self-awareness. And it, he has, uh, one, unless he or she decides that, okay, I'm going to be selfless now, next five years, this is what I, my legacy is. Those kind of bigger questions, but if, if I just, you know, five years, I'm gonna retire, doesn't matter. Let's just harvest the money. And you know, it, it's such a bigger question. Like what I'm trying to say is a character question. It's, it's, it's not a business question to my knowledge. It's, it's like, okay, do I feel good? Can I sleep better? Because just because I'm producing less plastic, you know? What I'm, so what I'm suggesting is- How can you train your mind to go- Precisely, what I'm suggesting is that if you, is when you look closely at this question, about the resilience of your business and the resilience of your land and the resilience of your people. It is deeply, they're all deeply interrelated and you, and you come away, when you really get into it, you come away with understanding that it does pay to be sustainable. It does pay to act in a sustainable manner, in a, in a legitimately sustainable manner. I'm not talking about going after uh, um, uh, symbolic versions of sustainability yeah. where you put solar panels and then you 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 solarize your inefficiencies no no I'm talking about looking clearly at the fact that as inputs of energy inputs of water inputs of of costs of fertilizer inputs of of all these things that cost money to input to create a product like wine yeah. if you become more efficient around that think about that less inputs means you overall net 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 and a net in a net format you spend less money yeah and you and you do it for if you do it for the, for the multiple the myriad versions of right reasons, it is both sustainable for the planet. It is also sustainable for your business and your future, and it's also um, something that you end up feeling good about almost as a as a side effect. It's the, the feeling good is actually the artifact yeah. that propels you to discover. Yeah. But then when you discover that the continual discovery propels you to make the good business sense. To, to tighten up your efficiencies, to, to, do le- to do more with less, yeah. right? That's what I'm talking about. It is a complete picture. Yeah, you got to taste it once, and then once you taste it, once you start liking it, you're going to start doing more, I guess, Precisely, right? yeah. Precisely, absolutely. Even, even something like, something simple, like, like um, uh, going lighter glass. The simplest yeah. thing you can do yeah. is, bu- is cheap, buying cheaper glass, lighter yeah. glass, or buying something that's local, yeah. right, as opposed to from, a, from overseas. Right there, you end up saving money, right? You just you just end up doing that, and if enough people end up buying a lighter lighter glass, then you have a greater supply, yep. um, and the whole thing works in that in that direction. So you end up saving however many dollars yeah. in glass. It's a very simple. Yeah, in and, fact, in fact, the freight cost can go down precisely. as well because of the weight limits and all that. A- exactly, and and then of course there's a right. So so there's multiple there's multiple points at which you can. Uh, 
And also, there's also marketing too. Yeah. You end up having, you end up being able to, to initially first stand out and say, "Hey, I have changed this because of that. I moved away from foils. Yeah. I've I've stopped buying I, my winery. I stopped buying myself Martin Reyes yeah, yeah, yeah. with Peter Paul. We stopped buying foils and we started uh, using a little bit of wax. But eventually, we're going to go to no wax. That right there was 55 cents per well, 25 cents per foil that I'm no longer spending. So less packaging, less waste, less carbon footprint. Yeah. Right? Those are the kinds of things I'm talking about. There's much more one can do. And by the way, one of the fascinating things, Sid, that we we that the that maybe your listeners, your audience are not are thinking about is, hey, we haven't really talked too much about agriculture or viticulture. You've been talking about packaging, True. blah, 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 blah. And that is precisely how I was thinking about it. And I'm glad you we went there because most of the inefficiencies and most of the impact that a winery can have and the wine industry can have is after the wine, after the grapes have been received. Yeah in terms of the carbon footprint, in terms of the nitrogen and phosphorus cycle, in terms of uh, even water usage, there is, if you just look at carbon itself, greenhouse gas emissions, up to, some some numbers, up to 50% of the impact of that bottle that comes to you as a consumer, um, that footprint, most of that can be attributed, and by some measures, with packaging, with glass, with transport. So, most of the time when we talk about sustainability in the industry, we focus on what the vineyard's doing, Making, what true. the vineyard manager is doing, the cover crops, the, yeah, the, yeah, the 50% organic 50% after the bottle it, leaves exactly, the winery. Exactly. So, yeah, no, Sid, you, you do. You, I know we talked earlier. You said you didn't, you didn't know much about this. You actually do because you're like, I know this and I know that. So you're absolutely right that that conversation, there's plenty of conversations right now happening around the viticultural aspect of, yeah. of sustainability and environmental stewardship. Not many yet are dealing with the very thing that you're talking about. Which, which countries are uh, leading the race? Like, I think personally, based on my knowledge, you can correct me, but New Zealand's doing a pretty good job. Like, which countries do you think are really believing this and stepping up, you know, and governments supporting them? You know, I don't think that I am, I feel like I can give you my opinions, but I don't think they're, they're deeply grounded in, in, in study, in active study. Um, they're, I would say, yeah, New Zealand to me comes to mind, but then, uh, yeah, because of they have because they have a lot of advantages. They're they're small. They they have a, a very local feel. The entire Sustainable Wine Growing Alliance of New Zealand, I forget if that's what it's called, but uh, they're collectively thinking about this as a whole. So I would say yes, that they seem to have that uh, the awareness is. There, the, the idea that this is part of the business say in, is there. Or let's say in U.S., you know, well, what's going on in Washington, Oregon, California? Like, who's doing a good job there? So, um, I was going to actually, I was going to say that the scare of 2018 with with the water and day zero for South Africa really woke them up. But no, I shouldn't say that that woke them up. But they woke up the industry, even though there were leaders and heroes already there. So South yeah. Africa comes to mind. There's return and reuse bottle schemes in Loire, as well as uh, there was uh, something in Catalonia that was an experiment once. Uh, London with their return and reuse schemes as well. But in, in the U.S., you know, probably the, the strongest area I think right now is probably, uh, for the time being, Oregon mm-hmm. has um, 20, I think, or so uh, B Corp certified wineries. And Live is is, uh, is a flat-out knockout uh, a green certified credential. So give, give, give us but some also, names. Also Napa Green, too. Napa Green's coming on. Those are the winery names? No, no. These are... These are, these are uh, uh, certifying bodies so okay. live for instance in oregon and b corp certification is Got something it. that's outside the wine business which takes a holistic oh, view i did not of, know that oh. yeah b corp is a 
you guys should. It's a type of a company uh, entity. A, that's what I thought. B Corp is a is a it is a, uh, a certification that bestows. Um, uh, the certification itself is is a signal that the that the that that business is an ethical an ethically conscious an environment environmentally aware. Uh, uh, company that is doing right by its stakeholders, by its people, by its neighbors, by its uh, staff, and by its environment, nice. and and it's legally binding to some degree. Yeah. So a, a good example it's a, is Patagonia, right? The Patagonia yeah, the, the, the brand, right? right. Yeah, they are B Corp certification. I think Jer Ben and Jerry's is another one. And you 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 see that credential. It's really hard to achieve. Yeah. Most want, and it's really hard for wineries to achieve. Right now in Napa, there's only one. Uh, maybe two, I think. But the first one, excuse me, is Spotswood. Spotswood Winery? Uh, Spotswood Winery, And, yeah. and uh, some other names that other wineries can sort of just have a look at their websites and materials, what they're doing. Maybe it's a good source to learn. Like I normally learn from someone else who's doing better. Maybe it's a good starting point. You, rather than reinventing the wheel, you can just see what they're doing. So just throw in some names which people can, you know, uh, go and check out. You know, um, in Oregon, there's Brooks as well and you know and, and and so california is a little bit behind when, when it comes to wineries and frankly i shouldn't say california i should say napa because i tend to work and live uh, more closely with napa than other producers but but uh, uh oregon itself is is got the high to me the highest number of b corp certified wineries of any state um and brooks uh, comes to mind um uh, spots where there's there's a uh, those are the two that right now that that to me uh, stand out. But then there's other there's other ways to. But I would also say that going back into the agricultural side, or excuse me, the more regional side, Napa Green has fundamentally transformed from top to bottom, and uh, through with direction of of the uh, executive director there, Anna Britton, that is an area that that years ago was not seen as one of the strongest. Uh, environmentally or rather sustainable uh, uh, certifications it certainly was as good as any of the the um, the collective there but they have since leaped ahead yeah in, in upgrading the the uh, uh, the steps and the they're rigor, setting up the, the standards the rigor like and the standards, further and further. Exactly. yeah yeah absolutely so I think in the next few years you'll see that Napa is going to be one of them nice. the ones that come out yeah great so Martin, if you have any closing remarks uh, for the industry, uh, please uh, feel free to uh, talk to our audience and uh, see how they can contribute to sustainability. Well, uh, I would say I'm thinking that uh, we always talk about, when we talk about climate action, climate change and all these things, those are very real things, right? We're seeing them now. We are seeing floods and fires and everything. And there's a, there's a, a tendency for all of us to, to to lead with that fear and to say, "Hey, you know, we need we need to do this because the world is turning upside down." And, and it, truthfully, it is. Mm -hmm. But I would want to view this for those who are listening and watching and saying, "Should I care about this?" Well, I think the wine industry deserves to be loved enough where we want to protect that which we cherish. And wouldn't we want to? all have the wines that we love these days and the regions that we love and the styles that we adore and the epic and iconic wineries that have graced our cellars and as buyers and distributors those fine-tuned chiseled uh, classic regions from france from italy and from spain and from the us don't they deserve to survive mm. and to thrive 
the way that we've always wanted them to and the way that we always loved them to. So I would, I want to replace the conversation about fear. There's reason to be fearful, but to shift it and say, let's, let's do right. Instead of doing well, let's do good. Let's yes. choose with our dollars to buy and to support the wineries that are doing uh, their part to save that which we cherish, our fine-tuned wine industry. That's my great, final message. Great. So I'll add a little bit. Uh, so all importers and retail buyers out there, restaurants, you know, uh, your support, it all starts when a buyer starts saying, I'll buy this. So let's start there, guys. Thank you. Thank you.